What a wonderful song. What a blessing. Open your Bibles again to Isaiah chapter 24, and you can just mark your Bible there. Uh, we'll look at specifically at verse 17 and 18, uh, fear and the pit and the snare. And those are three of the words we're going to look at tonight in verse 18. And it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear. It's interesting, isn't it? They're not fleeing from something. They're fleeing from the fear of something. They're just afraid. I want to complete a message I began this morning about prophecies in our day and things that we are seeing take place in our world point to, to the coming of the Lord Jesus and the coming judgment on this earth. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word tonight. I pray that you'd help us to know even if we had a thousand years of freedom to live in this life, we ought to live our lives in your will. And we ought to live it with a fervency. We ought to live it with a dedication. Lord, in a way that would be pleasing to you. And yet, Lord, I do not believe that we have a lot of time of freedom or even a lot of time before your return. I am convinced, Lord, that you could return even this evening. And Lord, as we read passages like Isaiah 24... And we recognize that judgment of the world in sin is coming. Certainly it motivates us to serve you. Certainly it sobers our thinking and helps us to invest our lives and our time in things that are eternal. Bless the preaching of your word tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to review just a little tonight and then I'm going to move into the part of the message for this evening that I did not complete this morning. We were reminded this morning that the Bible is a book of prophecy. What an amazing thing that God foretells us of events that are going to take place on the earth. And I said there are so many amazing miraculous events that have already taken place that the Bible prophesied of that it caused us to have full faith that what God says will take place in the future will do so just as he says in his word. In the prophecy of the end times we know several things are taking place that lead to yet other things to come. For example, the Bible tells us in the last days that there will be a falling away from the truth. There was a time across Europe, there were churches, there were times, and for example, the country of England, churches like this that were filled Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Sunday evening, and yet you would be hard-pressed to find a church open in that part of the world this evening and few open this morning. Certainly when you look at America and you see the days from the colonial period to the days of us becoming a nation and throughout our history there are many days that folks were much closer to the Lord and more dedicated in their service to Him and faithful to worship in church attendance. 
certainly it does not take a lot of work to prove that there has been and there is a falling away from the truth in the day in which we live. If you would have said to me when I was a boy, there'll come a day that the church house will look like a bar room uh, set up with a band and they'll sing music and they'll call it praise music to God, but it will look like at the honky-tonk on Saturday night, I would have said, you're crazy. But the truth is, that's exactly where we are this evening. The Bible tells us that the iniquity of sin and the deceptive work, the mystery of iniquity, already works. Hold your place there and go to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians, one of the tea books sort of get together there before Hebrews. Notice what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 where it talks about the mystery of iniquity. And Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica talking about this mystery of iniquity. It makes no sense when you look at the sins of the world and you say, why would anyone want to live their life there? How would anyone want to live their life in such a way knowing that their behavior is going to shorten their days on earth? Here's what Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, verse number 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That is a reference to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uh, uh, is in uh, the believer and that the return of Christ or the sounding of the trumpet, God's people are going to leave and the work of the Spirit will end and the work of iniquity will not stop, but it will be multiplied. Do you understand how much iniquity we are holding back by standing for truth and right? Do you understand if it weren't for God's people, marijuana would just be an accepted thing here in our state, even though the FDA still has it uh, on a uh, federal controlled, federally controlled substance list, and it is not legal federally. And it's difficult when you, when, when you, when you look at that and you realize uh, in some states it's legal. It's legal against federal rules. So if you have a federal police officer and you have a state police officer in a state where the state says it's legal, uh, according uh, to the state police officer, he can't do anything, but the federal pr- uh, police officer is required to arrest him. Confusing, isn't it? Contradicting, isn't it? Congress this week. I'm so glad they found time to do some work and they passed a bill on Friday working to legalize marijuana federally. I'm sure that'd be a great help to our nation in the condition we're in right now. The Bible talks about the mystery of iniquity. It makes no sense. The Holy Spirit is gone. There are no Christians to stand. There's no Christians to call. You understand uh, abortion would abortion would still not just be legal it would be it would be uh, even worse than it is today and you understand the numbers of abortion since the fighting of Christians uh, of a Christian been fighting against it the numbers have been coming down but one day the holy spirit's going to be removed and this mystery of iniquity is going to continue full force and then that wicked one 
and be revealed, then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. The Bible tells us that Satan is going to deceive the world. And we see the work of deception taking place in our world today. We understand there's a coming judgment of, of, uh, of, uh, of God upon the earth and sin. We see there's a catching away of God's people. We call it the rapture of the church. When the trumpet sounds, uh, we're going to be carried away. And by the way, uh, there are some who think that there will be uh, no good activity going on in the day when Christ returns. I believe there will be a group of people uh, that will still be serving Christ in the day uh, that when he returns. And I don't know about you, but I want to be so, uh, serving uh, uh, full stride when the trumpet of God sounds. Amen. This morning we looked through these verses in Isaiah 24 and we saw a description of a judgment that's coming on the earth. I do not know if Isaiah 24 describes uh, what's going on in 2020. In fact, I can't explain everything that's going on. Uh, some have called it a pandemic. Others have called it a pandemic. By the way, I do not believe men are smart enough to do that. But I believe Satan is. And there are those that are yielded pawns in the hand of the devil. And you can see already as the devil is working to bring deception as something and behavior uh, that uh, we once would be afraid of or leery of, uh, we now accept it and sometimes under the guise of safety and health. I'll come to that in just a moment. Let's quickly look through the verses again. The Bible tells us in this time of judgment on the earth, in verse number 8, the mirth of Tabret ceaseth, and the noise of them that rejoiceth endeth, and uh, they uh, shall not drink wine with a song, but strong drink shall be bitter to them uh, that drink it. There is a day uh, we've never seen before going on right now when there are no entertainment venues open. Uh, there are no stadiums filled, there are no coliseums filled, but the mirth of tabrets have uh, ceased. There's no, uh, none of the shows of entertainment taking place and everyone is uh, afraid to go into public. Two reasons people drink, as I mentioned this morning. One is to bring a false and a temporary joy. The other is to drown sorrow. It's described here as bitter, and so wine is sought, uh, but it is uh, to drown the sorrow. Verse number 10, the city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up. There are many governors around, this, uh, around the nation they want everybody to go home and just stay home, just stay in their basement, just to stay home. The city of confusion. The reports of medicine and science are constantly changing. They contradicted themselves from day to day and week to week. And the truth is they don't know what's going on. One political party says one thing, another says another, and there is confusion of the people. Every house is shut up. Safe at home is the cry of today. Family holidays are restricted, or at least they say they are uh, in some places. Uh, family holidays, the number that can come is restricted. There's a crying for wine in the streets. Verse 11, all joy is darkened. The mirth of the land is gone. And the city is left at desolation, and the gate is smitten with destruction. And we see that across the nation, including 
in our own state as we've seen the rioters and the looters and those that have been working to destroy for no benefit, for no help and nothing to them. But we've seen it across the nation from coast to coast. In the midst of judgment, we find a positive note from the righteous remnant. Verses 13 through 16, I'll not go through all of this, but I will say when there is fear, there's also faith. While there is sorrow, there's also a song. While there is worry, there's still a righteous work. And while there is a longing for a reprieve from the pain, uh, which is what uh, the Bible uh, means when he says uh, uh, in verse number 16, my leanness, my leanness is a reference to my pain while there is a longing for a reprieve from pain there is a looking for the return of Christ and that's what I'm looking for and listening for the sounding of the trumpet now from verse number 16 down we find three descriptions of danger upon the inhabitants of the earth in that day and I want to remind you again that these are God's judgments that are coming on the earth in verse number 17 the three words are given you could underline them the word fear the word pit which is danger and the word snare which is the same as deception a snare is set in a way that it cannot be seen it looks like a safe place to walk it looks like a safe place to be in fact it is baited so that there is an encouragement to step into a snare but a snare is a deception with a desire to bring forth death fear there is no freedom in verse number 18 you and I live in a day when there is no there is no satisfaction among the people in fact mobs are marching it's interesting to me how they can gather so many thousands of people so quickly and march and I look at it and I try to analyze what they're saying and they cry, we're here for justice. Justice and then they cry and we want to destroy or defund law enforcement. As if law is bad and breaking the law is good. One police officer shot in the west and the protesters went to the emergency room to block the entrance so the police officer now this is the crowd that was crying for justice they blocked the entrance of the emergency room so the police officer that had been shot could not get in and get treatment and they chanted they hoped that he would die now, now, now think about this. Here's a group of people that are marching under the banner of justice. And yet they want to see a law enforcement uh, individual die. Verse number 18 tells us that fear is multiplied. Folks, can I tell you, you and I need not live in fear. Now, I, know, I know sickness comes and I know death comes. I understand that and I'm not, I'm not promoting sickness. I'm not promoting death. I am not denying nor daring sickness, not at all. But can I tell you something? Death is going to come to me one of these days. But that is not going to be the end. That's going to be a departure from this life to eternal life. I refuse to live a life that is controlled by fear. And the Bible tells us in verse number 18 that they, that they flee 
the noise of fear. Noise is another word for media. The news media works to think of every possible scenario of what could go wrong. The virus is real, death is real, but folks, life in Christ is real. I read through this Bible and I find that there's been many turbulent, many, many difficult and challenging times. But as God, God's people yielded to the will of God, even if the will of God meant a martyr's death, God gave grace for the martyr's death. I don't need to worry about that. You say, I just don't have a martyr's death. Well, you have been called to be a martyr. Don't worry about things that you don't face. What we face today, we have faith in God and in the will of God. <clears throat> we need not be like the crowd that is running in fear. It's interesting that there is a danger of death. And we live in that day that few want to look at the reality of death or even admit that it exists. There are some who think that there are no deaths that take place in Kentucky except what happens related to the virus. Do you know 120 people die every day in our state? And they were before March. You know, 7,500 people died every day in 2017. When I looked at the causes of death in 2017, in Kentucky, 5,400 people died as a result of four things that are related, respiratory, flu, pneumonia, and septic. 5,400. The way numbers are reported in the media works to drive fear. I'll tell you one way you can look at it. Look at the number of folks that are now immune to the virus. The cases are reported, and I wonder how many have not been tested. I was not tested for the virus. And though later when I had a physical, the doctor told me that I had antibodies where I had at some point had the virus. Of course, the contact tracer called me and said it was on Saturday and said, we got your report back today and you are positive. You have the virus. You need to go home, stay home for two weeks. And uh, that's, that's another story. Uh, but uh, they called my wife the same thing and she had not taken the test either. But, but the way you report those are driving fear. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Satan drives fear. Christ drives faith. My job is to not increase your fear. My job preaching this book right here is to increase your faith. Amen. You can't listen to four or five hours of fear-driven talk and then listen to a few minutes of faith and wonder why you struggle so much with fear. Folks, this is a book of faith Jesus, uh, Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Now think of this. The fear of dying has driven people to look to government to protect them from death and danger. We're multiplied trillions of dollars in debt. 
because we can spell trillion as easy as billion, it doesn't seem to be a great big difference. But folks, can I tell you, we're in a debt to the place that our, our nation's economy could crumble easily. And certainly we are set up for a one world government. And that, and that is easy to see. The fear of dying drives people to look to government so they pass laws and restrictions again and again and again. I'm not preaching against seat belts, but I remember riding in the back of a pickup truck. I mean, when I was a boy, Dad would say, I'm going to town. We'd go get in the back of the truck. That might not have been the smartest thing to do, and that's not what I'm promoting, but, but I'm just saying fear has driven us to go to government as our God and say, please protect us. And then we have all of these folks that are, that are, that are politically correct uh, policemen that want to make sure that we follow government. My job tonight is not to tell you to follow government. My, my job t t tonight is to tell you to follow the God who designed government to follow him. The snare in verse number 8, 17 and 18 is deception. Take your Bibles and go quickly to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And I want you to notice what Jesus says to his disciples. Uh, go quickly to Matthew chapter 24 and what the Lord Jesus has to say as he begins the Olivet Discourse fits into preparation for the great tribulation period. And I need to move quicker here. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. <clears throat> all the way back in the days of Christ training and teaching his disciples, he warned them about deception. How do people deceive us? They deceive us with what we hear and what we see. That's why it's important that we stay faithful to listen to the words of Christ and read the word of God. As we understand the last days, it will be a time when people will believe that they are entering into a blessed new millennium. We're always talk about, talking about life getting better. Especially federal offices and politicians, they talk about uh, we can do better, we can do better. And I'm thinking when I look at the world and the condition of the world and I look at the blessings of America, we're already blessed beyond what we deserve. I'm not against the blessings and the improvement of medicine and all of that. I'm not against that. But folks, uh, there are some who think, don't miss the statement, that they're leading into a new millennium when the truth is they're doing nothing but leading folks into the great tribulation period and the leadership of the Antichrist. The world will think that they're entering into the millennium when they're entering into a time of deception led by the representation of the devil himself. How many people there are today who are being deceived and living a life that they believe in things that just isn't true. How many people today are living in an imaginary life where they learn that 
by playing computer games and, and video games all the time. And, and they tell us those that have committed mass murder, uh, they uh, most of the time, I mean a very high percentage of the time, have already been living in this imaginary world uh, of uh, rap music and video games. And yet you talk to somebody about death or attending a funeral. Well, I don't want to attend a funeral. Folks are afraid to attend a funeral today. Folks are afraid to walk by a casket and look at the body of one uh, who has died. They're afraid of that. Oh, they love the horror of the video games because they know all of that is not real. But they don't like to look at things that bring them to the reality. And one day every man has an appointment with death and we're going to die. And dear friend, our faith must be in Christ so that we do not face that day in fear. But we face it in faith and we can say as did the Apostle Paul, the time of my departure is at hand. We know that the Antichrist will bring a false peace and the safety. He will require a mark on either their hand or forehead. We're pretty close to that. We require a mask now, but he'll require a mark on either their hand or forehead. And that mark will be scanned in some way to buy and sell. Of course, we're used to that now, aren't we? We walk into a place and they take a little machine, they scan our head. Now, there's, there's, those people are not bad that do that. There's nothing about uh, your thermometer that scans the head. I have one that I put in my ear. I, I could have bought one to scan the head. I said, well, at least I'll get one to stick in my ear. And, and there's nothing wrong or bad about those people. This is the work of the great conspirator, Satan himself. But I'm saying we're used to being marked. They're saying now you must take this flu shot in order to take your finals in school or, you, or to work in this department or to live here or to travel here. You see the work of control that the, that the Antichrist will need, those behaviors are already in place and more and more. And today science is king. Creation is mocked and criticized and ridiculed. It's amazing how God made our bodies and how God made the immune system and how God provided us with truth and education in the Bible of how to care for our bodies and not to abuse our bodies. We live in a day of science says it. Well, if my favorite scientist says it, and there is deception by science, the news media, deception by Department of Justice, IRS, FBI. You tell me today who you trust. The only hope, the only help available is the Lord Jesus. Amen. We need to keep our faith strong in him. The devil for a long time has had the human race listening as sheeple to instruction. In 1921, Adolf Hitler gave a speech in a beer hall to 4,000 people. In that speech, he called Jesus the great world liberator. 
he went on to tell how the Jews killed the world liberator. And that because of that, they, the Jews, in turn, should be killed. And they should be wiped off the face of the earth. And Hitler vowed for the first time publicly that he would do that. And you think of the deceptive work of just one man responsible for millions of deaths. But wait a minute. Many of them thought they were doing right. Listen to me. They thought they were doing right. They were getting rid of these people who killed the world liberator. Who would have brought great peace? We see Christians in churches being singled out today. Even though the Constitution protects the rights of Christianity. You say, no, it's, it's, it's religion. If you understand religion and what religion meant when the Constitution was drafted and you look at the uh, Mayflower Compact and you look at the work and structure of colonial America into the days of America becoming a, a nation, religion was not talking about 25 different uh, gods. It was talking about faith in the creator God of the universe. But there are those today, including the governor of this state, that has worked even during Thanksgiving to close Christian schools for safety. I'll come back to that in a minute. The way Europe became a godless society was not to tell them Christmas was not real and they shouldn't celebrate the birth of Christ but little by little, they started changing names and words. So when the next generation came along, they were, for more, they were more familiar with winter solstice than there was Christmas holiday. Secular songs were introduced. Oh, they didn't want to get rid of the traditional Christian songs. They just wanted the new songs introduced that had a little bit better of a jingle and attractive sound than those old traditional ones. And then they said, well, you, I don't even know what those folks were talking about. Certainly they didn't know what he was talking about. They, don't, they didn't know God. They didn't know the Bible. Certainly they didn't know. And they began to tell children, this is what Christmas is all about. And today, children in our nation think Easter's about a rabbit. Christmas is about buying and trading gifts. We've seen it. We've seen where crosses have been removed. We've seen the work of folks like Nancy Pelosi has worked to take the phrase under God away from everything that she can in Congress. To stop prayers every place they can. Just to the place that it's no longer a habit to repeat those phrases under God and Merry Christmas. We went through a time of political correctness where it was not politically correct to say Merry Christmas, but Happy Holidays. Remember a few years ago when the uh, governor's father, who was a governor, said we're not going to call the tree the Christmas tree this year. We're going to call it the holiday tree. An Associated Press reporter called me and said, what do you think about that? I said, which holiday is he going to put it up? 
Does it go up in July or does it go up April 1st? When does it go up? Now, one of these days, this spirit's going to be taken out of the way. And when, when iniquity is in full force, then the judgment of God is going to fall. Let, let, let me move on to two other things. It's interesting to see the correlation between the hatred of the Jews and how they work to teach hatred of the Jews to be a good thing and see how the work of hating the Christians today, those rebellious Christians, those rebellious midwives that refuse to kill those babies when they're born in Egypt, they're a bunch of rebels. That Daniel, he won't, he won't pray to uh, the world leader. He wants to pray to an imaginary God, that rebel. And they work to build a hatred toward Christianity. We see it in the education system. We hear the word inclusion, and we think that means everybody, but actually what it means is anybody but Christianity. Tolerance is taught to protect not folks from hate crimes, but to protect pointing out sinful behaviors of mankind that God speaks against. It's interesting to me that a liberal can call out a conservative on something that they say is offensive. But if the conservative mentions something uh, uh, that is offensive to the conservative, the response is those folks are bigots and uh, uh, they have some kind of a phobia. Political correctness permits words but omits anything Christian or Christ-like and gender identity is not the acceptance of how God made us but a rejection of the way God made us. I keep hearing this phrase, my faith teaches me. I want you to think about that, my faith teaches me. What do you mean by my faith teaches you? My faith is what I believe in. There's a difference in someone saying my faith teaches me or saying the Bible teaches us because what I believe doesn't matter but what the Bible teaches does matter. This idea can pick and choose in areas of control and say don't you understand that Jesus cared about others and if you cared about others you wouldn't go to church on Sunday. Now, if that's all we knew, that might make sense. But tell me why the same person says it's not safe for you to go to church one hour and a half. But it is safe for you to go to the gambling joint all day. But they do have pieces of plexiglass, they tell me. That's what Brother Young said. Uh, they do have pieces of plexiglass. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And then the abortion clinic, we fight. We see a fight to keep that open. Now, you're with me tonight, aren't you? You, 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 you know what I'm talking about. So you say, uh, and, and, and then the liquor stores are open. And, of course, Isaiah said they're going to need their liquor to drown their sorrow. Huge stores are open. You've been in them. I saw you there. I'm not telling you any of this 
for us to be discouraged. I'm not telling you this to be discouraged. You understand what's going to happen. We are to work to win everybody we can to Christ until the sounding of the trumpet. When the trumpet sounds, you and I are going home and judgment's going to fall on this earth. I'll make four statements in less than two minutes. Number one, the Bible is truth. Keep reading the Bible. If you don't want to be deceived, keep reading the Bible. Number two, stay faithful to God's house. Christ died for the church. He'll return for the church. Stay faithful to church. Now, I want to say I've said this from the beginning. I told folks personally this week, I don't want folks to get sick. I don't want to be responsible for anyone getting sick. And I've said to folks, I want you to do what's right for you and for your family. But I want to tell you something. You better not be home living in fear. better be home living in faith still. You're with us. You understand what I'm talking about. Number three, be careful about the propaganda of the world. If it sounds too good to be true, it might be. And let me tell you this, and I'm finished. Jesus is looking for faith, and when he returns, he'll be looking for faith in him. So many illustrations and stories I'd like to give you. I'm going to stop preaching. I want you to stand with me. Work on your faith to keep it strong. Have faith in God. Have faith. You don't have to be deceived by these who say, I care about you. And I only want you to go places that are bad. Now all of this is the work of Satan. All of it is. And he wants to be worshipped by the people that God made to worship him. I'm going to keep praising the king. We're going to keep serving him. Heavenly Father, I pray that the message tonight has helped us to understand what's going on in our world today and how the devil is working in this mystery of iniquity. There's so many other things that we could look at and consider. But Lord, I pray that tonight you would help us that we would read and study and listen to your word and hunger to know its truth. Lord, when fear overcomes our faith, help us to realize I must get back to the truths of God's word. Those are my anchors. Those are my hope. That is, my, that is where my faith is. I pray if there's one tonight either watching me, listening to me, or in this building that's never received you as Savior, that tonight they would trust you as their personal Savior. I pray for Christians that are not serving you. They would, they would yield themselves to serve you tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.